I would have run. I would have run if I was Paul and Silas. I would have I would have been like, there's a crack in the wall. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hi everybody, lovely to have you with us for Scattered. Today we're looking at the end of chapter 15 from verse 36 of Acts to the end of chapter 16. So I hope you've read the passage. Last week we looked at the council in Jerusalem and the whole church gathering together to make big decisions about what salvation was and whether that was you had to join up with the Jewish way of doing things and we were very grateful that... um, they decided that salvation is all about grace and faith and not about circumcision. And today we're looking at Paul's second missionary journey. So my first question, ladies, is what surprised you in this passage this week? And that's for you, Mary. Hmm. So I was quite surprised about what happens in the first bit. So they're still in Antioch, aren't they? Um, And Paul says to Barnabas, come on, let's go again and encourage those people that we went to visit, that we uh, worked with before. Um, And Barnabas wants to take John, Mark, um, but Paul doesn't think it's wise to do that. And they have this big disagreement about it. And I was quite surprised um, that, yeah, that they would, it says, doesn't it, there's this sharp disagreement and they part company. And I was like, hang on a second. Like, aren't we all kind of unified and loving each other and, you know, working with the spirit? But then there's these two kind of leaders who can't agree on whether to take this guy uh, with them. And I was just I was just surprised. Um, but then it actually I kind of wasn't because having worked, uh, having worked on the mission field, I know that often kind of quite strong characters do disagree sometimes. And there's not really a really clear right thing to do. Um, there's two different personalities aren't there here there's Barnabas whose like name is son of encouragement like he wants to give this John Mark another chance Um, and then there's Paul who's like yeah but what how will it affect our mission Um, so yeah I was I was quite surprised at that and any thoughts about how we deal with disagreements then within the church I think we need to recognize don't we that this isn't um, we can't use this as an excuse to keep hold grudges or anything like that we we probably need Mm. to recognize and marry it with other things that Paul says in his letters one of which is you cannot take communion if you're not uh if you've got a disagreement with a brother so I think here we need to assume that they sorted out their differences uh before they split and yet they said actually yeah I I think that it would be better if we parted ways and yet they reconciled before doing that yeah, they parted on good terms. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Mary. That is surpri- that's a surprising thing in the passage. Helen, what were you surprised by? Uh, conveniently, the thing that I was most surprised by was Timothy having to get circumcised at the beginning of Acts 16. Because uh, most of uh, chapter 15 is about the Jerusalem Council and this beautiful letter and you know, this, this council sort of secures the confirmation of the gospel of grace. Like that is why one of the reasons why we believe that um, salvation is through faith alone, faith in Jesus Christ alone. And yet the first thing in verse in chapter 16 is, oh, I, I, I circumcised Timothy. Uh, and Paul says, 
I circumcised Timothy. I mean, let's, that's a bit distressing to me. But, um, and yeah, I found that a bit shocking. But especially when you think about something like Galatians 2, where Titus didn't get circumcised, you know, how, how does that work? Um, but ultimately, when I was reading around it, it's, it's about Timothy. It's about that individual, isn't it? And who you are ministering to. Titus was ministering to Gentiles. Timothy was going to be working with Jews. Uh, he was the son of a believing Jewish mother. And so not being circum by not being circumcised, the Jews considered him an apostate. So sort of, um, you know, like a rebel, a non non-Jew. They they didn't consider him, they considered him a problem. And so I guess initially it's that jarring, oh, but I thought we'd affirmed the gospel of grace, but actually this isn't about Timothy's salvation, but the fact that he's going to be working with the Jews. And so for their sake, he, he got the snip. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of the end of the last week's passage where James had suggested these things that we would not eat certain meats. And, and it's almost that Paul is so rock solid, isn't he? On the essentials at the center of the faith, but then he's prepared to um, make allowances to love others well and to yeah. foster unity and fellowship. Just in a, in a, as an example, in a non-bloodletting way, uh, I, in Uganda, Church of Uganda is quite conservative um, in terms of dress code. So you absolutely 100% would never wear trousers in church like for a woman to wear trousers in church is abominable. And obviously I thought it was ridiculous (laughs) because I don't think that the Bible says we shouldn't. And I know some people do, but, and, um, and in the UK I would wear jeans or trousers or whatever, but because that would diminish my role as in my work, I didn't. I just didn't. Any time I was in church, I was in a dress or a skirt. Um, and I do not like to wear dresses or skirts very often. So it just, yeah, it just helps the people that you're ministering to and gives you, um, you want to work within the social and spiritual structures that you're in and yet make sure that you're and not causing those people to look at you differently because you're picking the wrong battle. Yeah, you want to remove any stumbling block to the gospel, don't you? You want the clearest path possible for the gospel. And if that's Helen in a skirt, then bring it on. That's it. And if it's getting the snip, then same, same. I'll take the skirt over the snip, frankly. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, go on, Mary. Just think hats off to him. Like, what a cost. Like, for me, it's like not eating certain types of meat and, you know, dressing like Helen was saying. But to him, wow, what a cost. So I think one of my surprising things in the passage, which I really want you two to talk about, not me, is the next little portion, um, chapter, verse 6 of chapter 16, and that section. All this, they weren't allowed to go there, they weren't allowed to go there, the Lord stopped them, the Holy Spirit um, wouldn't enable them. We don't often talk in that sort of language, do we? And... I was a bit surprised that they were stopped from preaching the gospel in all these places. Um, as two ladies on the mission field, what, what, what do we take from that? What's the application of that part 
is it that we should wait for the Holy Spirit to tell us where to go? Or what what do we think, ladies? Because I'm aware that you've both had changes of plan in the last year for in both your lives. How do we understand that passage? It doesn't clearly say, does it, how the Spirit of Jesus or the Holy Spirit is um, stopping them from doing these things, does it? No. Um, like it's it's not kind of a you know Paul had a dream or um, they had a meeting and the spirit spoke. Um, so I think sometimes it's it's um, circumstances, isn't it? Um, sometimes it's 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 borders being shut. Sometimes it's visas, isn't it? Like we can sometimes trust circumstances and what he's doing by just really cl- clearly shutting a door. And um, sometimes he speaks clear- clearer, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think when we think about you know asking for clear direction from the Holy Spirit of what we're doing and that kind of thing. Sometimes we can become paralyzed by that thought. Um, And actually you just need to do something. Sometimes God isn't pointing you in a clear direction. So for us, you know, over the last month, we've been trying to get into France uh, to go to language school so that we could move to West Africa and three, four maybe even five times we thought we could go and then the borders closed. We thought we could go, then the visas aren't available. We thought we could go and then the school saying no, you know. Um, and so we just didn't get clear direction. In the end, we made the decision to stay. And then the next morning, seven, like 11 o'clock at night, we made the decision we were going to stay. 7.30 the next morning, we got an email saying, actually, there is a visa you can get to get into France. And so I... D- you know, um, we decided to stay. There was nothing that um, that pointed us in the direction of good or bad. There was nothing clear for us, but we just prayed. Just, we're going to make a decision. Please uh, help us to be wise in that and be with us as we process what that means for our family or what that means for our ministry. It, I really wrestled with this part of the passage in light of uh, what's been going on with us on with us over the last few weeks you know it's interesting isn't it I, I've been thinking a bit this week and talking with different people about the confidence we have in our own plan and in our own opinion yeah. and how we think that's the best thing don't we and it's really hard to cultivate a heart that isn't fully confident in our own plans isn't it and it is more confident in God's ability to move us into the right place or into the right situation mm. um and I guess this is I, an example isn't it where Paul doesn't kick off about we don't well maybe we don't see the wrestle that's going on in Paul's heart but he's he seems to be very okay Lord let, let, let's go and off they go and I guess with hindsight now we see don't we that that took the gospel to Europe and we're super grateful for Paul doing that and listening and um yeah thanks ladies now what my next question is what did we find encouraging in this passage we've looked at a few surprises what were the encouragements Mary um I really loved watching how God does church planting um so I kind of think I have a, you know, great idea for how to uh, plant churches, but God's kind of way of doing it is really beautiful. And 
um inclusive and yeah I just love so you know they go to um Macedonia and they go to Philippi and uh Paul uh Paul Paul finds the um women who have gathered to pray um and then it's Lydia who's among these women who God's God opens her heart to respond to Paul's message um and then she and her household get baptized um and then I mean you know, we don't know what happens to the slave girl after she's been freed, but potentially she could have been part of this new um, church. We don't know. Um, and then there's this jailer, like it ends up Paul and Silas in prison, like beaten um, in a bad way. And then this earthquake and then this jailer comes to Christ as well. And you just don't you just can't predict that kind of, you know, by the end of this chapter, um, Paul and Silas come out of prison they go to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encourage them so there's obviously like already this group of Christians um, and that's how God does church planting just this really uh, beautiful way that you just wouldn't you wouldn't see coming um, I found that really encouraging uh, it doesn't always follow our lovely plans <laughs> yeah that's great Mary Helen what encouraged you uh, yeah, very similar, really. I just loved how the three stories of Lydia, the, the jailer and the slave girl, uh, just demonstrates how God breaks down barriers. But, uh, you know, if you can if you compare these three characters, like Lydia is a wealthy immigrant uh, who's a, a believer. Jailer is a, probably a retired soldier. He's Roman. He's pagan. Uh, slave girl is Greek and she's exploited and possessed you know Lydia and the slave girl are opposite ends of the social spectrum and yet by the end of this chapter they are one in Christ mm. um, and it's just I just loved that that picture of unity yeah mine was similar but in a, a slightly different angle just the three so they're really different people aren't they but the way that God works in their lives is really different as well and the jailer, there's a big earthquake and Paul and um, the, the reaction of them in prison to that. So there's a big event that then brings him to faith. Obviously, um, the girl who's freed, is that's quite dramatic. And then there's Lydia who is sat listening to Paul preach and God opens her heart through a very a lot more ordinary means of conversion and I think I'd be more of the Lydia camp and it's just encouraging to my heart that we don't need a really dramatic conversion story do we God works in different people in different ways and yet yeah they're all then part of the church worshiping together mm. so yeah I find that super encouraging that Lydia just sat listened to Paul and God opened her heart and so and I, I guess so you know just on a sun, just Sunday by Sunday it inspired me to pray harder for my husband as he's teaching the word that God would be doing that work and opening hearts in the pew on a Sunday morning um yeah sorry Mary what were you gonna say no I was just gonna say I also really love the bit though it's quite famous so um but the bit where Paul Paul and Silas are <clears throat> in prison um and they're they're praying and singing hymns to God and I just think if that's not joy and suffering, then what is like, they've just been beaten to the extent that the jailer has to bind up their wounds, like wash their wounds um, when he decides to be kinder. Um, and I just think like, what, what an example to us of when things are hard, sing and pray um, and lift your eyes. I just think that's 
that's a lovely picture there my uh, my organization has a a couple who have worked within the organization for 30 40 years they're like one of these dynasties you know all their children work with my organization the grandparents work with the organization and um they've lived in east and central africa for many many years and a couple of years ago they were traveling back to the u.s through kenya and the wife was wearing a very small bracelet excuse me, that she'd been given decades before, had a very small amount of ivory on it and a customs official spotted it and she got put in jail. And the Kenyan uh, judicial system can be difficult for wealthy Westerners. And she uh, was told that she would be taken to court, have a court date and she would either be charged $10,000 or she would spend, she would have jail time. And uh, so obviously the whole organization were just down on their knees in prayer. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I was her, I just don't know what I would be doing. The conditions are not great. But when we heard from her husband, he said, she's just there sharing. She was in a cell full of uh, non-Christians from sort of more Muslim backgrounds. And she just sat there, shared the gospel, sang hymns. And I thought, wow, like that is a real demonstration of of, um, contentment in all circumstances, like Paul says in Philippians, Uh, just, you know, not being happy with the situation, not, not necessarily not being scared, but still trusting and knowing that you can be content in all circumstances and still uh, not curse man, but bless God. Uh, yeah, she's amazing. She, I, she I, got out. She she had to pay the $10,000 fine. So all of us in the organization club together and got her out. <laughs> I was going to say, because like sometimes we don't get to see the end of the story for a long time. You know, we, we, yeah. we see the end of Paul and Silas. We know there's going to be this huge earthquake. But when they're actually still just singing and they don't know what's going to happen, like lots of people are in that situation right now. And they, they don't know that there's going to be something good around the corner. So they just have to keep singing and keep praying and keep being faithful. Like it's, you know, God knows the big picture, but we're often in on the side of, you know, difficulties where we just have to keep singing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was my that was my challenge, Mary, that whole how do you just because compared to that, you've been beaten and put in prison totally unnecessarily and unjustly but yet they're able to sing and praise the Lord aren't they through that and often our hardships are a lot smaller than that and yet we're so quick to grumble aren't we and complain rather than worship and praise God yeah and I think beyond that as well the thing that really challenged me and the other thing was you know even when the jail burst open and they could have walked out Paul and Silas chose to stay they lay down there and you know even with the Roman citizen thing they didn't reveal that they were Roman citizens until really late on both times they they laid down their rights they had rights but they laid them down because they decided that their obedience was more important their obedience to to God was more important. Now, we don't know why they held back on the saying that they were Roman citizens, but there was obviously a reason because they could have got out of that situation where they're being beaten very easily. Yeah. 
but they chose not to. They lay down those rights because they would. They decided to be obedient. Um, and yeah, I just found that really challenging because, well, they they basically decided that they loved the Roman jailer. They loved their neighbor more than they wanted to be able to walk out. You know, they they knew that if they walked out, that Roman jailer would kill himself because that's how it works like if you're a in if you're a jailer in this time and your escapees escape you get the punishment that the prisoners were supposed to get so he knows he's gonna get as he's gonna have serious issues if these guys have walked out and so by staying they save his life and he, they save his life and they save his soul and yet they were perfectly able to walk out of that jail but they chose not to i was like I would have run. I would have run if I was Paul and Silas. I would have I would have been like, there's a crack in the wall. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And yet they didn't. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty challenging, isn't it? The other thing that really struck me was in verse 25, where they're praying and singing hymns to God, and all the prisoners, that gives them the attention of the prisoners. And I think so often at the minute we're as Christians looking for a way in to speak about the faith and the hope that we have with unbelievers. But I just think, imagine if we, that witness gives us an audience, doesn't it? You know, the fact that they were, despite their wounds and despite the fact that they're in prison, they're praying and singing hymns to God and their prisoners then were listening to them. And so I just think, especially at this time when life's hard and grumbling's Mm -hmm. the norm, if we can be praising God and thankful in the middle of a pandemic, then potentially God can use that kind of to ask for people to think, oh, what's so different there? What's the deal? So yeah, that was super challenging for me. Anything else, ladies, that you found challenging in the passage? I think the only other thing I would look at is, um, you know, when Timothy, when um, when Paul and Barnabas split, um, God graciously provides another partner for Paul to work with I think sometimes we can when we're looking at people who are in roles who work really well or um, teams that seem to be really going for it and getting really great results from whatever they're doing I think sometimes we can feel like we need to cling on to that 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 is um, the be all and end all but actually if God wants that space to be filled, he will fill it. You know, I'm sure to some people looking at the split between Paul and Barnabas, they'd have been like, oh my goodness, this is the dream team. What's going to happen to each of them now? And yet God provided Timothy. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Like sometimes I think we put too high a price on um, individuals in particular roles. It has to be that person. And that. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful. Really good. God's um yeah God knows and he'll put the right person in won't he yeah and I guess my point is nobody is indispensable and I know that can be taken really negatively but actually then we can have real confidence can't we that when people do move on or things don't work out God's got it and he will provide in the right way at the right time yeah Mary what were you going to say I was just going to say for people when they read this passage in there, it's it's a bit confusing when it goes from uh, it, the na- narrative goes from kind of talking about Paul and stuff. And then it starts saying we um, I just thought it might be worth mentioning that uh, lots of people think that it's probably because um, Luke, who wrote 
acts was actually on this trip with Paul, um, which is why often it says we um, in this passage. I just thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah, thanks, Mary. And I, I think they that yeah, the book I read was saying that he that they left him in Philippi, and so Luke then stayed behind to continue the work with the churches whilst the others moved on. Um, ladies, lovely to chat to you. Thanks so much for um, looking at the passage with me and hopefully see you again next week. Thanks for yep. listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.